0: God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian Saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we celebrate Saint James, the brother of the Lord, also known as Saint James the Just. James is described in the Gospels as a brother of Jesus. Traditionally, it is believed that James was either a cousin or a stepbrother of Jesus, that is, a son of Joseph born before his betrothal to Mary. There are many different people named James in the Bible. It is clear that this James is different from James, the son of Zebedee, that is the brother of St. John. But it is less clear whether this James is different from James, son of Alphaeus, one of Jesus' twelve apostles. Generally, Roman Catholics consider James, the brother of Jesus, and James, son of Orpheus, as the same person, whereas the Eastern Orthodox Church and most Protestants consider them to be two different people. St. James ended up being a very important leader in the early church. He held the position of Bishop of Jerusalem. He played a crucial role in the Council of Jerusalem, which was a meeting to resolve a disagreement in the early church about whether Gentiles who join the Christian faith needed to follow Jewish laws or not. Tradition holds that St. James died as a martyr. One of the books of the Bible is attributed to him, the Epistle of James. This book emphasizes the connection between faith and action. He is also traditionally held to be the author of the infancy gospel of James, which is not in the Bible but is an important source of Christian tradition about Mary and the nativity of Christ. Let us read an account of the life of St. James, the brother of Jesus, from Pope Benedict XVI, who discussed him extensively in a general audience he held on the 28th of June 2006. Dear brothers and sisters, Beside the figure of James the Greater, son of Zebedee, of whom we spoke last Wednesday, another James appears in the Gospels, known as the Lesser. He is also included in the list of the Twelve Apostles personally chosen by Jesus, and is always specified as the son of Alphaeus. He has often been identified with another James called the Younger, the son of a Mary, possibly Mary the wife of Clopas, who stood, according to the fourth gospel, at the foot of the cross with the mother of Jesus. He also came from Nazareth and was probably related to Jesus. According to Semitic custom, he is called brother. The Book of the Acts of the Apostles emphasizes the prominent role that this latter James played in the Church of Jerusalem. At the Apostolic Council, celebrated there after the death of James the Greater, he declared, together with the others, that pagans could be received into the Church without first submitting to circumcision. St Paul, who attributes a specific appearance of the Risen One to James in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 7, even named James before Cephas. Peter, on the occasion of his visit to Jerusalem, describing him as a pillar of the church on par with Peter. Subsequently, Judeo Christians considered him their main reference point. The letter that bears the name of James is also attributed to him and is included in the New Testament canon. In it, he is not presented as a brother of the Lord but as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Among experts, the question of the identity of these two figures with the same name, James, son of Alphaeus, and James, the brother of the Lord, is disputed. With reference to the period of Jesus' early life, the Gospel traditions have not kept for us any account of either one of them. The Acts of the Apostles, on the other hand, reveal that a James played a very important role in the early church, as we have already mentioned, after the resurrection of Jesus. His most important act was his intervention in the matter of the difficult relations between the Christians of Jewish origin and those of pagan origin. In this matter, together with Peter, he contributed to overcoming, or rather to integrating, the original Jewish dimension of Christianity with the need not to impose upon converted pagans the obligation to submit to all the norms of the Law of Moses. The Book of Acts has preserved for us the solution of compromise proposed precisely by James and accepted by all the apostles present, according to which pagans who believed in Jesus Christ were to be asked only to abstain from the idolatrous practice of eating the meat of animals offered in sacrifice to the gods, and from impropriety, a term which probably alluded to irregular matrimonial unions. In practice, it was a question of adhering to only a few prohibitions of Mosaic law held to be very important. Thus, two important and complementary results were obtained, both of which are still valid today. On the one hand, the inseparable relationship that binds Christianity to the Jewish religion as to a perennially alive and effective matrix was recognized, and on the other, Christians of pagan origin were permitted to keep their own sociological identity, which they would have lost had they been forced to observe the so-called ceremonial precepts of Moses. Henceforth, these precepts were no longer to be considered binding for converted pagans. In essence, this gave rise to a practice of reciprocal esteem and respect, which despite subsequent regrettable misunderstandings aimed by its nature to safeguard what was characteristic of each one of the two parties. The oldest information on the death of this James is given to us by the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus in his Jewish Antiquities, written in Rome towards the end of the first century. He says that the death of James was decided with an illegal initiative by the high priest Ananus, a son of the Ananias, attested to in the Gospels. In the year 62, he profited from the gap between the deposition of one Roman procurator, Festus, and the arrival of his successor, Aldinus, to hand him over for stoning. As well as the apocryphal proto-gospel of James, which exalts the holiness and virginity of Mary, mother of Jesus, the letter that bears his name is particularly associated with his name, with the name of this James. In the canon of the New Testament, it occupies the first place among the so-called Catholic letters, that is, those that were not addressed to any single particular church, such as Rome, Ephesus, etc., but to many churches. It is quite an important writing, which heavily insists on the need not to reduce our faith to a purely verbal, or abstract declaration, but to express it in practice in good works. Among other things, he invites us to be constant in trials, joyfully accepted, and to pray with trust to obtain from God the gift of wisdom, thanks to which we succeeded in understanding that the true values of life are not to be found in transient riches, but rather in the ability to share our possessions with the poor and the needy. Thus. Saint James's letter shows us a very concrete and practical Christianity. Faith must be fulfilled in life, above all in love of neighbor and especially in dedication to the poor. It is against this background that the famous sentence must be read, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. James chapter 2 verse 26. At times, this declaration by St. James has been considered as opposed to the affirmations of Paul, who claims that we are justified by God, not by virtue of our actions but through our faith. However, if the two apparently contradictory sentences with their different perspectives are correctly interpreted, they actually complete each other. St Paul is opposed to the pride of man, who thinks he does not need the love of God that precedes us. He is opposed to the pride of self-justification without grace, simply given and undeserved. St. James instead talks about the works as the normal fruit of faith. Every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit, the Lord says. And St. James repeats it and says it to us. Lastly, the letter of James urges us to abandon ourselves in the hands of God in all that we do. If the Lord wills, James chapter four verse 15. Thus He teaches us not to presume to plan our lives autonomously and with self-interest, but to make room for the inscrutable will of God, who knows what is truly good for us. In this way, Saint James remains an ever up-to-date teacher of life for each one of us. let us read a passage from this epistle of James. This letter's theme is that faith must be evidenced by action and good works. We will read from the second chapter of this epistle. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Let us also read about how James played a crucial role in the book of Acts, chapter 15. In this chapter, a disagreement emerged in the early church. Paul and Barnabas were very successful in bringing Gentiles to the Christian faith, at a time when almost all Christians were Jewish in origin. Some factions in the church were insisting that Gentiles could not be admitted unless they agreed to circumcise and follow other Jewish laws in the Old Testament. The church gathered a council in Jerusalem to discuss this matter. The Book of Acts portrayed James as having the last word in this council, resolving this dispute. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved." This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened, to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult For the Gentiles who are turning to God, instead we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas and Silas, men who were leaders among the peoples. With them they sent the following letter. The Apostles and Elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. St. James is celebrated on May the 3rd in the Roman Catholic Church and on October the 23rd in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a 5-star review on iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast, and be blessed by the stories of the saints. Let us end by reading the Traparian and kontakion of St. James, read and sung during their feast day in the Eastern Orthodox Church. As the Lord's disciple, you receive the Gospel, or Righteous James. As a martyr, you have unfailing courage. As God's brother, you have boldness. As a hierarch, you have the power to intercede. Pray to Christ God that our souls may be saved. When God the Word, the Only-Begotten of the Father, came to live among us in these last days, he declared, you. Venerable James, to be the first shepherd and teacher of Jerusalem, and a faithful steward of the spiritual mysteries. Therefore, we all honor you, O Apostle.